1: What is going on, Colts Nation? It is officially training camp time. Woo! We made it, guys. We made it through the long, grueling offseason. We are finally here. Football is back. And guys, with that, we are going to look at eight players that we feel like need to have strong training camps. Last year, guys, we did five players. We felt like there was a couple more players we wanted to talk about today. So you're welcome in advance. We get more conversation, more content out just for you guys. Because we love you guys. So the first guy here in the defensive line room, and it's a guy that really has struggled a lot, Derek, and that's Ben Bannick, who feels like he's on this list about every single year. I mean, he was on our roster bubble video we did a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this guy's on the fringe of not being on this team anymore, you know, and I made a comment to you off air. I'm like, this might be the last time we ever do a video regarding Ben Banigou in an offseason, right? I mean, it's just, that's how strong of a training camp he needs to have, you know, kind of similar to the Taequann Lewis, how he really started to perform a couple off seasons ago in training camp. It started there, he really put in the work, and now he's a key rotational piece to that defensive line. So, with Ben Banigou, you know, it, it's really like do or die for him, like, especially with the Colts, you know, like, He has this last opportunity in training camp. And honestly, I think a lot of us are shocked he's still even on the roster after virtually doing nothing the last two seasons. Talk to me about Ben Banigou and why he has to have a strong training camp.
2: Well, he has to have a strong training camp for the exact same reason that Taequann Lewis three years ago had to have a strong training camp because there have been times when Tyquan Lewis originally was like, "Well, you're getting injured. You know, you're not as uh, doing as much productive wise as we wish that you would be." And you know, there were times when you could have played, but we just didn't think you were ready. And it was it was probably a, a eye opener for him. And sure enough, his last chance, right, to get on that, to not only get on the on the squad, but at the same time also show he could make an impact, right? So he went out, had the best training camp of any player on the team, any single one. You ask every single Colts player in in the training camp of 2020 who was the best player on that team at that moment in time when training camp was coming around, Tyquan Lewis was the one that was doing it. And that's impressive. And that's how you show your bosses that I'm ready to do this. I am here. I am ready to go. And Ben Banigou... I mean, he's in it for a completely different reason than what Tyquan Lewis was for. Tyquan Lewis had a few issues, but very little had to do with the fact of, you know, his willingness to put it on the football field, right? And that's what we're in this situation now when it comes to Ben Manigou. You know, ever since his rookie year, people have been talking about how he just doesn't seem to want to put it on the field the same way he did when he first got here. So... This is your situation where you have to take a a long, good look in the mirror and you tell yourself, do I want to commit to this game or do I just want to remain a rotational piece for the rest of my career and never get a shot with anyone because the next time that I get, because when I get cut and a team tries to acquire me or I try to be acquired by a team and they ask me, well, why did you get cut? Well, I just didn't practice hard enough. Yeah, good luck trying to get another team to take you when they hear that you didn't practice hard enough, even in the easy stuff like training camp, right? So it, it really does come down to, you know, does he does he do something with it? And, you know, we saw we saw even in last training camp that Ben Banigu was, you know, completely destroying the backup offensive lines, right? We talked about it all offseason, Cody, talking about how Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport were getting lit up by Ben Banigu, and we thought oh you know like Ben Banigu, maybe maybe Ben banigu has got something going here you know I mean I know it's the backups but you know if he's dominating these backups maybe there's something here to Ben Banigu. but it just turned out to not be the case so you know he needs to come out with a different attitude and a different understanding that if he doesn't put it all together all year long then this might be his last season as an Indianapolis Colt The sad part with Banigu
1: is the talent's not in question, the position like of need is not in question because like the Leo position behind Yannick Ngakwe is wide open, right? It seems like it would be such an easy fit for him to go right into that position, be that key backup. But yeah, right, he hasn't proven that he can be trusted or even deserves a roster spot, honestly. Um, And he can have his, you know, he can do all that work against those backup tackles all he wants all day long. at the end of the day if it's not translating to the field, who cares what you do in practice, you know? So Ben Banagoo' last opportunity for him, or else, frankly, he's just going to go down as another pass rush bust, unfortunately, for Chris Ballard and company. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, you drafted so many guys so high, Banagoo included, and it just hasn't panned out for you the way that you hoped, you know? And it's a shame because Banagoo showed some flashes in his rookie season where you're like, okay, get this guy, you know, Couple more years in the system, he's going to turn out to be a, a nice player for you, you know. And it, and you're right that you know I think it was just the will. Like you know, people even last offseason were like, "Does this dude even want to like play? Like, does he even like?" He just seemed very like unwilling to, I don't know the term, you know, like unwilling to look at the past and ask himself the question, "Why have I not been playing?" And he more wanted to look forward, which I get that in part, but also like the best way to move forward is to correct your mistakes, correct the things that you're doing. And we thought, okay, maybe he's going to do that. You know, he said last offseason, I'm going to get a fresh start. You know, like I'm just looking forward. Nothing changed for him. Absolutely nothing. So at this point, it's like you got to go all out and you got to prove that you want to be a part of this team. Uh, But like if you don't, like honestly, no skin off our back anymore. You know, like doesn't matter anymore. You know, like I don't even count Ben Banigou as a part of the team anymore. Honestly, because... He has not proven anything. You know, he has not proven anything. I don't care how high he was drafted. You know, like, it doesn't matter. If he's getting beat out by, you know, later round picks or undrafted guys, like, that's a problem, man. That's a problem. And you know what? If he doesn't want to play, then he can hang it up, man. Like, but ultimately, he has to make that decision. You know, I can go up here. I can ramble like I just did until I'm blue in the face. But until something gets in his head, And he makes a conscious decision. He wants to play like I can't we can't do anything for him. And he may not be a Colt Murray very much longer. And it's really tragic, honestly, because he does have a lot of talent. You know, he is athletically gifted. He does fit this system extremely well. Absolutely. (sighs) I'm sorry. I'm just really rambling. It's just (laughs) it's all right. It's all right. We get it. You know, it's sad. Like, it's honestly like on par almost with me, like the Quincy Wilson thing where it's like the talent is there. The talent is there. Just like the, the up here, there's some work to do, you know, like what, for Quincy is a little bit different. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just those kind of players that just bothers me. That just is so unfortunate when that does happen. So all that to say, one more time, one more chance, one more opportunity. And if Ben Banigou can take advantage, I would love to have him on this team if he can figure it out. So hopefully he does. Anyway, I'm done rambling. we've talked eight minutes about Ben Bangui. Let's move forward. Um, <laughs> let's continue on that defensive line. Talk about another former second round pick. Dio Odangbo, who's a rookie last year, didn't get a full offseason. He was obviously injured from his uh, last year in college. Uh, if you remember, I believe it was an Achilles injury. He suffered at Vanderbilt late in the season, so he fell from a first round potential pick all the way to the second round where the Colts picked him up. And he came back like halfway through the season, but it was clear he wasn't 100% himself. But now he gets a full offseason, a full opportunity. You know, he's ginormous. He's got the length. He's got the size. Um, He's got the talent, certainly. So I think Dio Adangbo in this new Gus Bradley system may have a great opportunity to shine. And and I think now is the time for him to really prove that he belongs in this defensive line rotation. What are your thoughts on Dio Adangbo?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone knows my thoughts on Dio Dangbo at this point. It is going to be very interesting to see what happens with him because you're right, this is going to be the first real offseason work that he's been able to put in, right? So it's going to be very interesting to see what he does. And, you know, does he get that that spark back that made the Indianapolis Colts just drool over him when they drafted him in the second round in the 2021 draft, right? It, it, you got to wonder does that physical aggressiveness come back? You know, because we know he's got the size, we know he's got the talent. Just does that aggressiveness and the ability to make those kinds of plays come back? Because if somebody, if he does, like, and it's going to be very interesting to watch him go up against guys like Quentin Nelson and Danny Pinter, you know, guys that are very formidable guards, you know, and we've always kind of said that DeForest Buckner's getting great experience out of these camp battles because of facing Quentin Nelson, right? Because iron sharpens iron, right? That's been the motto the whole freaking time. You know, that's going to be the same thing for Dio. Now going to come in playing against one of the best, the best guard in the entire NFL, the best interior offensive lineman in the entire NFL. And it's, you're going to see what Diode Angbo is made of. And it's great to see that. And, you know, it's a, for a matter of rotation, you know, he, we know he can get some snaps, but how much of those snaps does he actually get? It's going to really base off of how he does in training camp. Does he steal a couple snaps away from Grover Stewart? some of those early down potential snaps as well. You know, th- does he keep a few snaps away from guys like Curtis Brooks and Eric Johnson who are looking to try to make their way in, right? Or, you know, Dio also being able to play on the outside. You know, does he take a few of those snaps away from guys like Quitty Pay or uh, Yannick Ngakwe and, you know, fill that role? He's got the potential to do something that, the Colts will drool over is having that position flexibility and that's what he needs to be able to utilize not only going up against Quentin Nelson you're gonna have to you're gonna have to beat guys like Braden Smith who is you know when he's healthy is usually playing at almost at pretty much an all-pro level and you know as well I mean for the Matt Pryor and Bernard Ryman situation at left tackle. You got to be dominating those boys on the left side. That's that's your golden ticket to show that I'm I'm superior to them. You know, that's going to be the important part. It's just Dio winning those freaking battles, man. And if he does, then it's going to get me so excited to see what this defensive line does all year. It's a
1: crowded defensive line room. So he's going to have to earn those snaps. And I love that because it's like, Every player that gets snaps on this defensive line is going to have to earn it, right? They're going to have to. Like, nothing is given. And so I think that's great for a guy like Dio Dangbo where he really didn't have anything to lose, but he has a lot to gain in terms of snaps and in terms of just being on the field and making an impact. So I'm really excited to see what he does in year number two. I think the sky's the limit for a guy like him because the potential is through the roof. We'll see how he if he can put it together here in training camp and really start making a name for himself. and. You know, maybe crack the, the rotation a little bit more than he did last season. So we'll see, but very exciting for that. Uh, the last guy we wanted to talk about on the defense is a guy we just mentioned briefly um, when looking at position battles. And I think it's a guy that uh, we all have a lot of high hopes for. And I think best case scenario is Isaiah Rodgers does win that number two corner spot, but he's got to go out there and earn it, right? He's got to go out there and prove that he is the better corner over Brandon Faison, who he will be competing with, who also had a really strong you know, minicamp and things of that nature, I think it's going to be a fierce battle. But I really think Isaiah Rogers, the pressure's on for him because a lot of people, including you and I, look at him as an ascending player, a very ascending star in this league. really feel like with his combination of his size and his ball skills um, and his speed as well, uh, we think he has a great opportunity here to really ascend into that number two corner. And who knows, maybe even a number one corner here very soon. So all that to say, Isaiah Rogers, the pressure's on for him, man. The pressure's on. He's got to make sure he's got to go out there and it. He's got all the intangibles, all the skills to be a really good corner in this league. He's got to go out there and prove it. Beat out Brandon Faison. Talk to me about Isaiah Rodgers.
2: Man, I mean, what else is there to talk about when it comes to a guy that, you know, like you said, majority of Colts Nation, including myself, I've said it so many times by now, that I think Isaiah Rodgers is a highly ascending player. And I mean, I even put the freaking pressure on him saying that I think he's going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL after this year. So, you know, that is a lot of pressure. And I think he's ready for it. And he's been saying all offseason to bet on him. He's betting on himself. Everyone else should be betting on him. And so I'm, I'm bet, I'm, all my chips are in on Isaiah Rogers. I think that you're right. This position is for him to lose. And I'm hoping that we see more of that magic that we saw from training camp last year when we saw him picking off Carson Wentz, what seemed to be every practice, right? Always seemed to be one play where Isaiah Rogers was making a play, right? I mean, I think one of the two times that you and I went to training camp, he actually did have an interception on our side of the field and would have taken it for a pick six had that been a real game. So, you know, it's one of those situations. I really hope he continues to improve and I hope that we see more of it because if, if he turns out as good as we think he can be, I mean him and Stefan are going to be, I mean him, Kenny and Stefan might be one of the best corner, probably one of the best secondaries in all of football. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very excited for Isaiah Rogers here now getting potentially a starting spot here on this defense. We'll see how it shakes out. Pressure's on Isaiah. Go prove us all right who are betting on you. All right, let's move over to the offense now. Let's talk about running back number three for a minute. And I think we could have chosen a couple different guys here because there's like four or five guys that are really going to compete for this spot. But I feel like we had to go with the veteran. We had to talk about Philip Lindsay simply because of the fact that he has been there. He's been in a 1,000-yard back. He's proven that he can do it in the league. But he's going to have some competition behind there. And I think far and away we can say he is the most talented back, and he's the back that I think is the early favorite to be that running back number three or running back number two right behind Jonathan Taylor, if Naheem Hines is more of a slot guy and stuff of that nature. Uh, but talk to me about Philip Lindsay and why we believe uh, he has to have a strong training camp.
2: Well, he's got to have a strong training camp for I mean the same reason that we were talking about in the previous video. I mean, this this room is full. I mean, there are five guys that are competing for this last spot, what seemingly we think is the last spot on this roster for the running back position. And, you know, as much as I love Philip Lindsay and I think that Philip Lindsay can be the number 3 running back on this team, He's not going to be able to take it lying down. I mean, there are a bunch of guys here that can definitely take it over if he's not careful, right? You're talking about Tyson Williams, for, who played for the Ravens, and Deion Jackson, who was on the team last year. That's looking to potentially, you know, make an impact by staying on and, and showing what he can do, right? And then you know, Philip Lindsay's got to deal with these undrafted free agents too that. You know, apparently are big playmakers as well that have a lot of high hopes for some of these guys. So, you know this there is a lot of guys here that are competing for this. And you know, Frank Reich absolutely loves that, right? The competition amongst the groups always makes it fun, right? Because they get to see more of what these guys are capable of. And when you know that your spot is not guaranteed, you know guys try harder. So you hope to see Philip Lindsay understand that and take that initiative and know that even though he won't be the main focus of a running back room anymore to be able to take a few snaps away from Jonathan Taylor and to keep and to provide a pivotal role in making sure this team's best offensive weapon remains healthier at the end of a season that is a very big responsibility and you hope that Philip Lindsay and these other guys understand that position and they do everything they can to make sure that they they can do what they can. And I mean, if the third running back on your team is Phillip Lindsey, then I mean, that would be very impressive for this Colts running back room. Absolutely. Yeah. It could be one of the
1: best units in the league if all goes well. So all right. Uh let's continue on the offense. You know, talking about a room that has a lot of competition. Let's talk about this tight end room. I will say, out of all the positions that we're looking at, this room definitely has the least amount of experience, right? I mean, because really, what do you have outside of Mo Ali Cox, who's really not that experienced? I mean, he's he's been in the league a couple of years, obviously, but like compared to some of the tight ends in the league, like, you know, he's not, I wouldn't call super experienced vet, but other than that, look at the tight ends you have. You have Kylan Granson, who you drafted last year. Great guy. We're really rooting for him. Uh, You know, he's a fourth round pick and really didn't make much of an impact in his first year. You know, I don't know if that was due more to, you know, the way the Colts passing offense was set up or just that Kylan wasn't earning snaps or the Colts just weren't giving him snaps. I'm not entirely sure, but nonetheless, he only has like 11, 12 catches to his name in the NFL. And then you have two rookies as well, Jelani Woods and obviously Drew Ogletree as well. He both drafted this year. Uh, both of those guys have a lot of talent, but no experience at the NFL level. So there's going to be a lot of, a lot of interesting battles here, but I think we got to point to Kylan Granson here because I mean, he has an opportunity, you know, he has a leg up on these other two guys, right? He's been in the Colt system for one more year, right? And, and if he doesn't perform well, he, he could really realistically not be having that much snaps this offseason or this, this coming season. He has to have a strong training camp. What are your thoughts on Kylan Granson?
2: Well, I know when you and I talked with him a few weeks back, you know we asked him how he would be approaching this off season differently versus what he did the first time around and you know he talked about the fact that you know there's a lot more of an experience factor now you're going in trying to remember everything and now you feel like you can now add on because you remember what went down you remember how it goes and now you're just trying to learned some things that you may not have remembered from the first time. And I think another thing here, Cody, to be completely honest with you, that might help give Grantson a advantage over uh you talked about it the other two rookies that we drafted, the way the season ended, you know, we asked him about that. We asked him right off the top. You know, we asked him how did how did that feel, you know, having that season end the way it did, you know, because it couldn't have felt good. And he said, yeah, it provided all those guys with an extra incentive and a sort of fire in a way to make sure that never happens again. Jelani Woods and Drew Ogletree are not going to understand that feeling. They can't. They weren't in the locker room when that happened. Kylan Granson does. Kylan Granson and Molly Cox understand that feeling. So Kylan has an extra motivation to go out there and play even harder knowing that his spot is in jeopardy and knowing that this team needs to step up in a major way so that could be an important role for him not only in training camp but throughout all of the season right so it is going to be a very important thing for him to be able to grab that and be able to understand that he needs to use that as fuel cuz you and I talked about it in the other video you know Jelani Woods That that dude's a a play play just waiting to happen, right? Somebody that big, that size, that fast shouldn't just not be in the NFL. It shouldn't he shouldn't even exist. But he is here and you know the potential is there, but Kylan has that Kylan has that ability to basically have that experience factor, and he needs to utilize it and understand that he needs to use that to fuel him to be the best player possible in order for him to get snaps so he's not lost in the fire between Mo Cox and Jelani Woods. Yep.
1: All right, let's stick with some weapons here. Let's talk about wide receiver real fast. Now, there's a number of names we could have listed, but I think the guy we have to talk about out of all these guys is Desmond Patman because he's kind of been you know, if, if you were to ask us, like, who are some of the last guys, you know, making the Colts roster uh, at the wide receiver position, a lot of us would say Desmond Patman's in there somewhere. Right. Um, and I know there's been some rumors. I don't know how true they are, but it seems like there's been, you know, some people have said the Colts are are interested in potentially signing a veteran wide receiver. I personally feel like they're going to wait it out and see how, you know, some of these young guys look. But for that very reason, a guy like Desmond Patman really needs to have a strong camp so the Colts feel confident and they don't go ha- don't they don't feel like they have to go out and sign a veteran out there. You know? Um so I think you could throw out a lot of these young wide receivers. I just picked Desmond Patman just because of that reason. Um but what are your thoughts on Desmond Patman and just all these young wide receivers the Colts have?
2: Yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely a weird transition for some of these guys here in a situation now where you know who your top three, probably your top four wide receivers are at this point, but it it really does come down to, you know, Des Patman and Mike Strawn, who obviously is not going to start a uh, training camp on the right foot. So, and you know, on top of it, like you said, we've been linked to reports of maybe getting another wide receiver into the building. So, That could be one less spot to have to worry about. So it really is going to come down to, you know, who makes the big plays happen. And we know Patman had a few issues in minicamp with a few drops from Matt Ryan. Certainly hope that that is not something that's going to uh, go into training camp. And, you know, Des Patman has been a fan favorite by many people amongst these young group of guys that you know everyone's been rooting for Des Patman ever since he's gotten into the league you know we've been wanting him to continue to do more you've seen the not getting any time in 2020 to 2021 he finally makes one big play that you know gave our season some hope right and in a time when it didn't feel like there was any hope as a Colts fan and you just were like Des Patman helped make one of the biggest plays of the season right there. Right. So you hope that in some way he just, he transcends somehow because he's 6'4, 200, or 215 pounds. Like this guy is huge. Like, I mean, I want to see this guy do something to round out this roster because if he can do that and separate himself from Strawn and these other guys, then Patman could see some increased playing time, especially since we know this Colts wide receiver group always seems to have injuries every freaking year. So we need somebody to step up. And and Patman, this might be his chance with a better quarterback in Matt Ryan hopefully get some better looks.
1: We'll see. It's going to be an interesting battle back there. We'll see what the Colts do if they elect to bring somebody in or not. Uh, But it's going to depend on young guys like Des Patman for sure. All right, uh, last guy on the offense we want to talk about is the incumbent left tackle, Matt Pryor. Obviously, he didn't play left tackle last year, but he is the guy that's been on the roster a little bit longer. He's going to be competing with Bernard Ryman for that left tackle spot, for the starter spot. And I think the pressure's on him because, I mean, at the end of the day, the Colts aren't tied to a Matt Pryor beyond this season, right? I mean, they gave him a one-year deal, which glad they brought him back. But I think everybody's thinking, you know, in a year from now or maybe even this year, Bernard Ryman is going to be your guy at left tackle. So the pressure is on for Matt Pryor to potentially, you know, win that job, you know, win that job. And whether or not that that means resigning with Indianapolis or even another team next off season, uh, it's a great opportunity for him to maybe even get paid, you know, a little bit more money. So it's going to be a lot of pressure on Matt Pryor right away, you know, in a new position. He's never played left tackle in the NFL. Can he potentially, you know beat out Bernard Ryman this, this offseason or potentially beat out Bernard Ryman during training camp because the pressure is going to be on him. Talk to me about it.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is probably the uh, most important position battle of all the camp, right? We've been asking about who's going to win that left tackle spot. We've been asking it ever since Bernard Ryman got drafted, you know, and th- it's going to continue to be a thing all the way through training camp. Who is going to step up? Because last season the Colts' offensive line struggled. A lot of that had to do with injuries and the left tackle position. Eric Fisher was god awful last season, and you hope that whoever you put at left tackle this off season is going to be better than that. And it's kind of hard not to be uh, that when it, when Fisher set the bar that low. So it it, it really is going to come down to it because you you said it. I mean, everyone expects Ryman to be the future, right? Well, if Ryman's going to be the future, you got to take advantage of the present, you know, and Reich and Ballard have given you the opportunity. They said, you're going to be the starter to start. And, you know, it's your position to lose at this point. And if he messes up, if he doesn't, if he doesn't perform like what we saw in 2021, then it sounds like, it sounds like Ryman could definitely take that spot. So, he has somebody breathing down his neck, you know, and that's a little different than probably every other guy that we've had on this list, right? Cause that's a direct correlation. That is a difference between a guy starting and a guy not playing at all. And this is the, probably the only spot where we talked about on this list where your direct starting job is in the balance on this. So, it really is going to come down to Matt Pryor excelling at a position that he has never played before, and versus a guy that uh, that also has very played the position for very little time, but is very uh, but is very dynamic in the way that he does it. So, I love Matt Pryor. I love what he did in twenty twenty one. I have I, I am shooting for uh, high for high praise for him. I really really want him to thrive at that left tackle position. I don't really care whether Ryman or Matt Pryor gets it. It's all going to come down to who Frank Reich thinks is best at that position, but Matt prior, it, it, it's do or die time for him right now.
1: Yep. I'm very much intrigued by those two players who are going to compete for that left tackle position. Definitely the one I'm going to be watching the most during training camp, especially when we go down on Saturday. All right, last position we got to talk about, because we don't really know um, if this guy is the future at the kicker, and that's Rodrigo Blankenship. Hot Rod himself fully recovered from that injury he suffered last year. Um, You know, it's interesting because, you know, Hot Rod, I feel like when he's been healthy, he's been a pretty good kicker. Last year, he got injured. Um, but last offseason, especially last training camp, he was fantastic in training camp. He was awesome. Like he was making every single kick. He was looking great. And then that injury happened. And then, you know, even when he was healthy, he didn't get activated back. They, they elected to keep Michael Badgley out there as you starter kicker. So my question is, you know, if he doesn't have a great training camp like he did last year to give the Colts confidence in him moving forward as kicker number one, could the Colts be potentially kind of perusing some of the cuts that are going to happen you know, during training camp and during you know some of the preseason games to add more competition and potentially replace him? Right now, they don't really have a guy that I really feel like is a threat to him, but I could really think if, if he's struggling in training camp, I could see a scenario where the Colts really you know, start to put the pressure on him a little bit, right? Oh, so yeah. what are your thoughts on Rodrigo Blankenship and potentially just him having to have a great camp?
2: I know for many many years you and I were talking about you know when we got him and how excited we were that you know Hot Rod was going to be out here you know taking a uh, taking that giant leap right he's going to be the next great Indianapolis Colt kicker right and it just never seemed to it just never really seemed to translate did it you know it, it just seemed like there was always an issue after an issue and. I mean, I I think we should ask uh, our buddy Zach Hicks what he thinks about uh, Rodrigo Blankenship. We'd probably get a more direct, uh, not so nice answer out of him. Uh, that would be a little funny to get, but um, but yeah, it, it's been it, it's been a experience having him out here, and yeah, if he doesn't have a good camp, I mean, I don't I don't expect the Colts to keep him around i really don't it's gonna it's gonna be one of those things where he's he's on a he's on a short leash and the colts will find because the colts have been very good about finding backup kickers like over the last few years since vinny's been gone they've had some pretty decent kickers and that didn't include hot rod you know it, uh chase mclaughlin and uh Pinero and a few other guys a uh, badgley as well. You know, we had some guys who have stepped up for the Colts in times when Hot Rod couldn't, right? So I I trust the Colts to be able to find somebody if Hot Rod doesn't turn out. So Hot Rod's gotta be able to uh, Hot Rod's gotta be able to make his kicks. He's gotta make them from far. He's gotta have a good camp.
1: He's gotta be accurate beyond 40 yards. You know, that's been his biggest thing. It's like he has the leg. Like that's not been an issue. I feel like a lot of people think he just can't kick it that far. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's just the accuracy beyond a certain, you know, certain distance, I guess. And so, yeah, he's just got to really step it up here. He's got to really, because you can't just go into every season hoping your kicker makes it. You got to have confidence in that guy, you know? And kickers, unfortunately, (laughs) for Hot Rod, uh, they're very replaceable, very replaceable. You can find a guy, you can find an undrafted free agent who can be a really, really good kicker in this league easily. So all that to say, he's got to have a good camp. He's got to get the Colts just supremely confident. Don't really feel like they need to touch that position. He's got to basically be the Rego. You know, he's got to do what Rigo's done at punter, where the Colts don't even think about it. They don't even take a second glance at punter because they know Rego's going to be consistent. And he's going to be one of the best punters in the league. He's got to do the same thing at the kicker position. And I know it's a hard position. You know, it's very much a pressure pack situation. Uh, But he's got to prove it. He's got to prove he's going to be the guy moving forward. Because if he's not, Colton won't have any issues moving on from him. So, all right, guys, that'll do it for our list here. Looking at eight players that we believe need to have strong training camps. Like we said at the beginning, guys, training camps here. We are so excited for that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And, guys, we're going to have so many more videos. We're going to try to recap every single day of training camp. So keep it here. We're almost at 12,000 subscribers or a little over 100 until we reach that 12K mark. So if you're still watching this video and you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Be sure to do that. Be sure to hit the like button on this video as well so we can push it out to more Colts fans just like you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, go Colts.